Osiris. It's so refreshing to talk to a woman about songs and creativity and just like to hear your perspective that you get the nuance. Hi, this is Maggie Rose. You're listening to Salute the Songbird on Osiris Media. Salute the Songbird is a platform for women in music to share their stories and let their voices be heard. And everyone has a seat at the table. Welcome to this week's episode of Salute the Songbird. I'm your host, Maggie Rose. And this week we're talking to one of my favorite up and coming question mark artists. She's been around for a long time, so it's not fair to really call her that. And you're probably hearing her voice all over your alternative and Americana radio stations. But Erin Ray is a Nashville-based singer-songwriter whose new album, Lighten Up, is so easy to listen to. But the songs she writes are about complex things. She joins me to talk about the inspiration behind the songs, like what it means to be a modern woman who gets to claim womanhood, social awareness, her experience of being Southern. We talk about the lush production on the record, which she recorded with Jonathan Wilson in Topanga Canyon, California. And you can hear the California influences, light psychedelia, the influence of the 1970s Laurel Canyon artists like Joni Mitchell. This conversation with Erin was truly like sitting down with a girlfriend in my living room, comfortable, without pretension, very neighborly, just like her. We are peers in the industry and neighbors of a sort, as we both live in Nashville, and I am so glad to have someone like Erin as part of my community. Grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and settle into my conversation with Erin Ray, and make sure to check out her new record, Lighten Up. Listening to Lighten Up in particular, there was just some songs where I know that they came from probably a very specific place for you, but I saw exactly my situation in songs like Enemy, and um, I just think it's really wonderful that we're finally connecting, and especially just on the heels of this album release, which is just so exciting. Such a great post-pandemic album. For me, it's helping me process a lot of the wounds that I'm still healing from, from that in my relationships and just like the way I look at the world. And it's just an incredibly healing piece of work. I mean, it's a bit of a sonic departure from what you've done, but in a super exciting, non-linear, but also not not out of left field way. Kind of want to talk about your background a little bit just for people getting to know you and um 
You know, I love how you kind of, in this article that Julie wrote, you say, I have been sort of met with this expectation that being originally from like a small Southern town, I'm going to have an experience that's maybe more closed-minded or whatever people's preconceived notions about a small Southern town upbringing would yield. But you were the only white kid in your class and learning all about civil rights movement and you were exposed to maybe what people would have expected to be contrary to their ideas. And like, how did, how did that, how did you carry that experience with you, both in people's expectations of you and then also what you learned? And I think it really, in the last few years, like since 2020 and the murder of George Floyd and just all of the like activism around that. And since then it really brought it to my attention that like, I felt very fortunate to like, have this education about like the civil rights movement. We like celebrated our school celebrated black history month, like all month long with great assemblies and speakers and, you know, friends of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Like, cause Jackson's only about an hour from Memphis. And so there was just, you know, some connections and, but I, I would imagine, I don't know this for a fact, I'd be so interested to see it, it was kind of still taught as though it was in the past. I'm sure that that was like as much as they could get away with. I, I, it doesn't seem that far off to think that maybe, you know, there was like a board that was like, hey, this school is sure spending a lot of time on this subject or like, right. you know, and what are we telling these kids, you know, and, and maybe there wasn't because it was a majority black school. Maybe there was less concern about that, mm-hmm. but yeah, basically what I, what I took from that was kind of like still that it was, it was like, oh, this is a huge, you know, part of our American experience. And I still had that impression that it was in the past. And so, you know, the last couple of years has been, you know, the way, just the awakening that like, it, it's not in the past and yeah. um, there's still current repercussions and um the seed that that planted is just i feel like maybe the benefit from that was just to be able to kind of like wrap my head around the fact that there's no question about like believing black people when they share their experience right of racism or and so that's you know that's a huge aspect of it and yeah and i think my own little microcosm of my family i was super fortunate to just have you know, really sweet parents. My dad's a total hippie and my mom's Buddhist now. She grew up Southern Baptist, but is Buddhist now. And just like, you know, it was just very inclusive. A lot of our friends were and family members were gay growing up and just, Mm -hmm. we just had, it wasn't like intentionally that way. It was just, you know, I don't know. There were, there wasn't, people could just be who they were around our family and still like, yeah, you still, I still grew up around in the south this album you just released with 30 tigers in february also while moving you did this which is yeah. insane it was, yeah, 
I have moved in within this town so many times. I don't know Seven. really what it is. Seven, Seven. Yeah. Once in the same building from one floor to another. Same floor plan. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me feel better. I, truly, because I like, on the, especially on this move, I was just like, I started to feel like kind of weird about it. Like, because mm-hmm. people notice, you know, people yeah. are like, you really move a lot. Like, you're nomadic. Why are you doing that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so stressful to move. Why are you doing that? And I was like. Well, I, I had a brainstorm and it seemed like this is the next right place to be. But yeah, I moved to my friend Sean's house um, back on the east side. Um, I'm just renting a room in his house. I was living on my own for a year and like in the second half of the pandemic. And I was like, I got to take a band on tour. It's probably not wise to keep spending, you know, one mm-hmm. bedroom rent in Nashville apartment rent, you know, totally. It was nice. I've had that same motivation before. (laughs) And, and you've been here since you were 11. Yes. We moved here in 2001 as a family. My creative self arrived here 11 years ago, (laughs) arrived with this intention. Yeah. Well, if I'm speaking to that, I might have to say that my creative self arrived here like 10 years ago. That's cool. I was the scared puppy those first couple of years. Yes. I learned a shit ton. I learned so much. It was, I was blasted with knowledge, totally overwhelmed almost. I've used yeah. baptism by fire in almost every episode when I talk about my experience at first moving to Nashville, but it's because it's true. I was just like thrown in the room with some of the best writers and trying to be a sponge, but I know that I was... It was, it had to just be too much. I think there's like some traumatic overwhelm that I'm still processing. Yeah. It's kind of there. It really, it can be too much. A lot of compassion for my younger self. I hope you feel that way too. I know that you had some self releases before your release was single loss, single lock. Um, And I know that as trite as it sounds, as that is all part of the process. And I'm really yeah. proud of the resilience that I had to show. But, you know, I yeah. think that that's kind of why even when you're three albums deep, you're kind of like, feels like a new like beginning. Just starting. That's exactly. Yeah. You said something in this podcast that I listened to, Songwriters on Process with Ben Opapari. Oh, yeah. Speaking to the ebbs and flows of creativity or whatever we want to call it. He asked you a question about how you deal with dry spells. And I've always kind of resented that, that word because it feels just so heavy and daunting, but yeah, you know, there like does have to be an judgment. ebb and flow. <laughs> or you're yeah. like, why am I not constantly prolific? And you yeah. answered it so well in a way that really comforted me and, that's awesome. It made me feel like I'm, I don't know what I said. <laughs> you said, like, I just know now that I've released three full length albums, what the process is, and that I use a different part of my brain in the life cycle of a record. You said, I'm paraphrasing, but it was just, yeah. it made me feel so much better. And I think anyone who's trying to, like, complete a really big task, like putting an album out or writing a book or any big project, 
you're you talk about like the germination of the ideas and then creating the album recording it even creating the songs like that process is very tasking yeah. then the rigor of touring and promoting that record yes. is a different part of your brain and then the kind of postpartum release of that when you go into the new phase of a new record like how that exercises so many different parts of your creativity that you don't really look at those moments where songs aren't pouring out constantly as dry spells you look at that as like I'm reserving this creativity so that I can do and honor this part of the process. But you also talked about a glow and you use that word a lot. And Ben was like, what does that mean? Because I associate that with (laughs) levity and light and glowing. And you were like, it's like an orb. And I was like, yes, it's, it's like this this summoning light yeah it's almost like that tv in poltergeist where the girl just like can't help but go to it yeah whether it's about nostalgia or heartbreak or like it's just this super present calling that i feel like if you're ready for it that's where the inspiration strikes and i totally get the the term glow that you're using for yeah that because you're kind of like I see it and it's like this beacon that's just drawing me to it and you have to meet it. It's kind of like intuition or something. There's like, there's like this intuitive space that like kind of opens up or something where there's like, you know, life has been happening and then suddenly like the time comes or whatever. And you're like, okay, cool. I actually, there's like a little energetic space to Mm -hmm. like, explore this there's also like you know i i'm definitely i totally get people be you know saying like like you can't always wait for inspiration or whatever like that right i'm totally coming around to that now but you know the older i get and just like it used to just be like wow this is so cool i can write a song and then like you know kind of just feeling myself on that and just it would sort of come out more naturally but yeah, it's like, okay, that glowy feeling can be there. And sometimes it's not there at first. And then sometimes after I've been playing guitar for like an hour or like I play guitar one day and try around, you know, some ideas. And then the next day it comes for, you know, you know how, right. exactly how it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some songs you have to work on and, and give them space and let it evolve. And like just the, the, the term of like this emanating light just you kind of don't know what it is you figure it out you dance around it you physically walk around your apartment on the hardwood floors and yeah by yourself and kind of have to nurture this little seedling yeah Um, but I think that we can as artists fall into this imposter syndrome sometimes in those dry spells and i think when i heard mind and mind heart on lighten up i felt that a lot just like this questioning of how can i be sure how can i be sure and um all those things that artists ask of themselves or just humans ask of themselves when it comes to heavy subjective matters like how can you even trust your own intuition Face today, I will not turn away. I'll see it. And I 
lighten up. You cut this in California, in Topanga, California, with Jonathan Wilson, who is probably responsible for injecting some of the psychedelia into your production, yes? Yes, for sure. I know people have asked me like on interviews, they're like, how did you come up with these arrangements? And I was like, girl, I didn't come up with those arrangements. <laughs> I thought they were beautiful, though. I mean, it, it your folksy country Americana feel is all over it, but he brings like a bit of a modernity to it uh, and definitely like a, a little yeah you know, cosmic sigh was a beautiful sonic journey that one was a favorite i like well you know how it is it's like when you're making a record and a budget is what it is and you're like can i afford to add strings you know like real oh, yeah. strings and i was like i if i don't do this like i will regret it forever and i can't believe drew erickson that did the those arrangements the way that jonathan described him to me was that he was like lawrence welk this old like music show that was on pbs but it started way back he just like drank champagne and had all these you know musical guests on like 30s 40s and 50s but he was like Drew Erickson, his arrangements, he that's his wheelhouse is like this old Hollywood sound. Mm. And I just I was like, yeah. Anyways, not to like talk about my own song, but I'm not responsible for this part. So I was like, I'm gonna brag on them for a minute. <laughs> okay, you're totally responsible for it. And I wanna talk about how Jonathan and you got connected and obviously the California sonics are there i mean i've read all these wonderful reviews where people mention you know laurel canyon and Joni mitchell and even robert plant there's one song that has like this really cool like after moroccan kind of feel with like a super low cello part that i was outside gardening and i thought there were like bees around my head and i was like (laughs) oh no that's the song like it's just swirling all around me Whoa. And um, it was, I mean, the uh, the production is l- super lush. It does not get in the way of the songs, though. And it's not too heavy-handed for what these songs are trying to do. I think it's like a, you've struck a beautiful balance. So how Thank did you, you guys connect and how did you dream up this process? Well, I met Jonathan through his through mike taylor from his golden messenger Mm. um i guess in 2019 i was a fan before i knew i was a fan of jonathan's stuff because i had listened like a number of years ago to that jenny o record auto mechanic Mm -hmm. and he produced that like in 2011 and i was like oh wow um when i was like you know doing my little wikipedia search (laughs) kind of finding out more about him like early on and i was like oh my god he did that record and you know of course like the father john misty records and i feel like i got mo like most introduced to him through listening to his music because we met through mike at newport we both played a couple songs at this like after after party concert thing like Mm -hmm. at a church it was like a chill party. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so we just like, 
you know, connected and sort of stayed aware of each other, I guess, mm-hmm. via Instagram as we do these days. And, um, yeah, he kind of just planted the seed then like, let's make a record. And, um, like, you know, a couple months later, and I think a, a couple of mutual friends here and from Nashville, John Radford and Spencer Cullum had both like worked on a project with him. Yeah. So he had like come to, I think Spencer potentially was a part of that too. And they, they like were start, they flew to New York to start their tour. I don't think they got to play a show and then the pandemic hit, but Mm. anyway, those Spencer and John told me later that they both had like recommended that we work together. And I was like, that is so nice. Cause I like, you know, especially at the time have known Spencer and, and John and they've just always been super sweet to me, but I didn't, I wasn't that close to them, you know? So it just kind of felt like such a nod of such a validating, you yeah, know, thing that's to have. Sincerity. I mean, they must've really yeah. seen the compatibility there. Yeah. So I think, you know, um, it's so cool to kind of realize like after the fact, like, like who was connecting the dots, you know? Yeah. And, um, what a great community yeah. to be a part of. I mean, that really is how it happens. It's not like yeah. some suits in a room. Like I want to, well, it is for a lot of people, but I don't think in our world at all, um, it's manufactured like that. You just kind of have to follow your gut, especially when you're putting a record together during the time that you were assembling it. By the time it came out, it had been almost four years. Um, since my last record and you know, I knew we were going to, it was going to take some time to put it out in the world and with, with the vinyl and it, you know, just distribution. I had finished have a seat before when, um, the pandemic began in 2020 and I sort of turned my back on the record for a couple months, not because I didn't absolutely love it, but because it was just so it was just so painful to think that like all of this work that felt so topical, which it was, yeah, but actually ended up becoming more so. And this is a really perfect time for you to put this album out, which is why I, I don't think it, it, it's timeless, but it does really feel like a wonderful answer to us pretty much having gotten through this. Yeah. So many themes that I love about social awareness like gender identity modern woman i want to talk about that because i feel like it's the best accompaniment to this podcast and i love the video Um, thanks you know enemy was one that i thought of with relationships and yeah thanks for mentioning that song i feel like that one's very dear to me it kind of that was one of the first ones that started the the writing process for this batch of songs a couple years ago yeah, I was like, you know, experiencing the germination period <laughs> slash mm-hmm. block. Yeah, yeah. You right, know? yeah. Um, and um, a friend of mine was like, let's just write an idea every day. We'll send it to each other, like via voice memo. And if it's not, it doesn't have to be done. It doesn't have to be good. Or like, it's just about opening the stream of consciousness or whatever. And that's like kind of what came out at that time, but it is so 
it's, you know, it's a very personal, like the subject matter. It's just talking about jealousy and like, mm-hmm. you know, how kind of just like self-centered fear um, mm-hmm. and how that can color my perception of like someone who's a friend to me, you know, and yeah. that's like, you know, it's kind of, it's a heavy song. And so even though it's like one of my favorite ones to sing, like guitar wise, melodically. And I love that we ended up kind of putting Jonathan, like had like a backbeat, like country, slightly country feel to that song. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's one of my favorites, but I also hesitate to play it. It's super complex. Yeah. I, I, I had to listen to it a few times just to, I mean, you're owning up to, so much in that, but it also feels like you're the victim of that same behavior and you're you're just able to articulate it in a way that I haven't heard anybody do yet. And it also kind of ties into this whole social media world of like, you know, the perceptions recasting. Yeah. Compare and despair and like how that just strangles creativity. It strangles our, grasp on reality I think Mm -hmm. and like who people really are relative to us in our life and how we are to them and I I I just think it's an incredibly nuanced song that that can you can just kind of do a whole thesis on it really if you wanted to um when you draw on our experiences from the last couple years Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with the amazing Aaron Ray. It might come as a surprise, but we have lots of mutual friends. We've worked with a lot of the same people. We've crossed paths a few times. We've never hung out in a meaningful, intimate way. And as you can see, we're like long lost sisters. She's just so easy to talk to, so easy to be around. And I think that that's a testament to her character and how she's even approached her career. She comes from a family of musicians, but she was gifted this Martin guitar as a young girl, and she just kind of answered the call, which I'm so glad that she did. And I'm wondering if any of you out there have a little subtle calling that you might be ignoring, and if you're going to answer it or not, if it suits you. And I've been hearing her song, Modern Woman, on the radio so much lately, which makes me very happy. She deserves all the attention and accolades coming her way, but it's so pertinent to what's going on today with women's rights and also with a little bit of the identity crisis that a lot of us are experiencing today in society. So how can you widen your embrace of people around you? How can you deepen your empathy for those around you? And what do you consider to be a modern woman? I'd be very interested to know. But let's talk back into this conversation with the very warm and welcoming Aaron Ray. One song that I totally loved, and I speaking of visuals, was the song featuring your buddy Kevin Morby, Can't See Stars. And it it's like you guys are just so cute and I love how it's <laughs> shot. 
but it's all this scenery in Memphis and you go to Sun Studios and you're outside the arcade restaurant and like you're kind of doing this two step. Yeah. And you guys are just sort of like, uh, it looks like you kind of just maybe like smoke some weed and started walking yeah. around and singing your song. Yeah. I love that too. Like it just, the visuals paired with the sonics is super fun. And there's a playfulness Thanks. to it too. So it's not like there's so much joy on this record. There's depth. There's like a, a definitely an old soul observer kind of perspective that you have too, but it's fun also. Thank you. That, that and Modern so- Woman video we have to that talk means about. It a lot to me. <laughs> it's killer. I feel like it's so refreshing to talk to a woman about songs and creativity and just like to hear your perspective that you get the nuance of like that it can be it's like of course on first listen for like you know a mainstream audience the general public you know not everybody wants to dive in to like the emotionality i totally get it you know respect for the the internal boundaries and just like if you if you want music to just be like a release and not a place that like takes you into like emotional exploration totally get it and like bird cloud their slogan was not for everyone which i always loved <laughs> i love them <laughs> but they're so funny yes so hilarious um yeah but i'm just like it's so nice because I don't know, not and no, no shade on any interviewers or whatever, but just with a male, a male perception sometimes, and maybe just a person, I don't know, who knows how, you know, sexist it is. It might just be like a person to person thing, but it's very refreshing. And I really appreciate that because it's like, I think sometimes it can be like, wow, like, yeah, your songs are your songs are really slow. <laughs> oh God. You know, <laughs> they did the least. It's like, man, cut that interview Yeah, you were off. talking about a, a lot. You sound, are you, do you feel happy? You know, that kind of thing. I'm oh like, God. You know, anyways, I know you probably have had your fair share of stories over the years. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Like horrifying stories <laughs> where I just like, I don't even know. Like, we don't ever get to the music. And I know that right. like, it's in other genres, it's especially bad. And in yeah. certain settings, it's like, oh, you, you're, we're just here to play like a trivia game. Yeah. And like have little like sound effects, like in Parks and Rec when they're at the radio station. <laughs> just like, <laughs> woo! And like all these like, woo sound effects, and they don't talk about anything of substance. hardcore fans and like so nice (laughs) i know that you're like oh it's it's you dive in and you you 
look at these songs, but like I'm reading some of these comments from your uh, 2019 NPR Tiny Desk concert. And one woman said, I listen to this with my daughter. If it's one of the things she remembers me for, I'll be happy. Oh my gosh. Uh, I have not read those. Yeah, like in you're a while. so humble. <laughs> so this, I thought this might be a fun um, little exercise for you to just hear some of these comments and maybe respond to them. That's really um, wonderful. But like, I don't know what that story is, but I saw that and I was like, okay, what happened to that woman? And I'm sure that her daughter is probably like a lifelong fan of yours. Um, reminds me of Tom Petty's songwriting, so incredibly calming. This song, Love Like Before, was on repeat in my car, filled with suitcases and boxes of my junk while driving across country after a breakup. I ended up finding my own place on the east side in my hometown, and I felt grounded in the moment and where it ha- where I happened to be living for the first time in years. Oh, my gosh. Thank so you people so are much diving in. I mean, yeah. I'm with you. Like, I love candy. <laughs> And I love a whole yeah. meal, but sometimes yes. like takes time to yeah. really sit down and get the fork and knife and dig in. And yes. your music is certainly worth doing that with. Um, Thanks, Maggie. But again, you know, I, do, I love chocolate and a little yes. ditty here. Not everything has to be so serious. And I don't little think dip that. Little dots. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that uh, you are taking it all so seriously. I think you just yeah. are very candid with how you're working through your observations and you put them into words that are only only you can do it that way, which is pretty awesome. A cosmic sigh she breathes Something shifts beneath her wings The winds of Change are glowing and heard on high. What sings Modern Woman? You are so that's another great music video. It is (laughs) directed by Joshua Shoemaker. Yep, Joshua Shoemaker. And I recognize Brittany Howard in there. Yes. Give me a shout out um, to all these other women who are in the yeah. video and kind of talk about that concept because it's, it's great. Yeah. Um, I like don't want to miss anyone's name, but so many friends in town that and it was it was like we kind of pulled from both Josh, Joshua and I's friend groups and there was some overlap and then some people that I got introduced to, like Emerson Kyle, who is um wonderful photographer in town that Joshua knew and um yeah um Tiffany Minton Brittany's partner Tiffany um is a drummer activist historian um you might have met her at uh the bell court over the years yeah Tristan who is a musician and um, owns Anaconda Vintage. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a mom. She's a mama. And uh, Michaela Ann, also a musician. And 
Yeah. Um, Pam and Lee, who own Fanny's music store. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really, I don't know. I loved how theirs turned out in the like room of guitars. Um, but yeah, my friend Matt Lovell, um, my friend Emily Young, who's a DJ at uh, WXNA. Yes, the list goes on. Diana, who um, is a part owner of... The Beehive? <laughs> Beehive, yes. Yeah, oh, that's good yeah. food. Um, yeah, and Ellie, who is a visual artist, um, she was in the green stripe dress at the end. And it started because, like, as I was writing that song, I just started to get this image of my friend Matt always sends me these, like, hilarious videos of him in wigs doing different characters and stuff. And, but also, like, sends me really beautiful photos of himself, like, just expressing himself and in, in through clothes and fashion and heels and, um, and when I wrote like might be a vision in a satin dress, like I had him in mind. And so I was like, I want, would you be in my video? Would you feel comfortable with that? It's just about, you know, and he was like, he, yeah, was totally down. And I love, he just looks so, so like strong in himself. Regal. Yeah. Yeah. Regal. I he loved so it. Regal. Um, so Yeah. It just kind of, I wanted it to be like a, like a moving painting kind of thing. of just like, you know, little just snapshots of, of these different women in, yeah, like in their element, you know, in things that kind of bring out who they are. Well, and your lyrics totally speak for themselves and support the whole concept of just redefining, you know, who gets to claim womanhood you know, and, and what our idea of that is. And I think that is something that's just, that's so important. I feel like the discussion around uh, this podcast, even in particular, some people are like, well, why do you only interview women? I'm like, I interview people who are having that experience in the industry because yeah. it does matter. It does. Yes. And um, it matters because we have to, talk about things like that during women's history month. Like my whole thing is, yeah, we should have a month to celebrate all the nuance in which women can be defined. Um, and it's just a great visual representation of it accompanied by just an awesome song. That's fun and upbeat and it can, it's palatable for anyone to hear. You're not calling anyone out either. You're just kind of like, let's round up. What what is the lyric of the chorus? The first lyric of the chorus. Um, round up the old perceptions, lay them on down. Like it's okay to expand our understanding of it. Yeah, and it was beautifully shot, and I love that you featured all these Nashville women. The headlining opportunity and touring, like, you should be totally, like, the fear is understandable. And that, yeah. like, harness that and, like, sink yeah. your teeth it's like into a little, it. it's, there's some power in that, you know? Oh, it's my like God. An, it's terrifying and it's awesome. 
yeah there's like it's like this energy that i don't know i don't know i my mom is um is a therapist mm-hmm. and she has been recently uh certified in this mode of like processing trauma and just it's not even all for like big t traumas but just processing feelings and it's kind of in line it goes hand in hand with like somatic work which is like how you experience feelings in the body yeah it's almost like the the kind of tapping thing on your shoulders yes yeah i yeah i think that that's something that not a lot of people are um super proficient in that's pretty cool are you working with her well, she connected me when I was in Australia, actually, um, to this specialist that does this brain spotting stuff, which not to go into it too much, because I also don't really know how to explain it. But it uses like when you're talking about something and an emotion comes up and a strong emotion, your eyes, I guess, will go to a natural place. Uh-huh. And if you can keep if you keep your eyes there and like start to pay attention to how it feels in the body and like allow it to process. And like let it expand and all this. So like this is all a roundabout way of saying like I had this experience of like, you know, having the little feeling of, of fear about a situation and it being feeling very just like constricted and like, you know, where you're like tightened up around it and you're like, I'm so afraid of this, whatever it is. Um, and, you know, the person I was seeing, she was like, okay, like imagine that feeling, giving that feeling space to like expand all the way through your body, like to every cell. What, what's the difference? It's like, oh, actually it's pretty energizing. Like I'm not, I'm not afraid of it when I'm not trying to like control it and keep it, you know? Right. Um, And obviously like, yeah, I don't know, not to go too into that, but just like, that kind of thing has been super, it's a very recent kind of game changer of like, oh, like that, sometimes those little feelings like present in a certain way at first, but then they have so much more to offer, like as like a power source or just like, it's not, that's not the full picture. Like it's like the tip of the iceberg or whatever, but. That makes so much sense. You can apply that same kind of um thinking to songwriting or creativity you have just one little spark that will present itself in yeah multitude of ways and you can ignite it if you kind of know how to control it and do you get asked this a lot where like people like do you get nervous before you go on stage and you're like of course i do yes (laughs) yeah because like I'm I'm not disassociating like yeah yes. I'm nervous and yeah. <laughs> I think that there's a reason that like our physiology does that to us it's because it is some form of energy that we are meant to channel in a way yeah. that will make you perform over the top for the next 90 minutes or whatever like a headlining show you're going to be playing longer you're yeah you're the end of the evening like people are coming yeah. to see the you. main event <laughs> and you know like the good news is, uh, you know, your, your audience is biased. They're they're probably bought into Aaron Ray yeah. already at your yes. headlining shows. But like, this is your chance to 
show up for them and prove to them right. you know, why they're fans of yours. Last question that I ask everybody, and you've already yeah. answered it in so many ways, but best part about being a woman in the industry? Just like the community of other women and connecting and having the, you know, just the shared experience and how there's like an understanding anybody that's been around for a few years, you know, Mm -hmm. gets it. And it's just like such a, like, you know, it's so cool. Well, you are part of a community for sure. And supported not by just your fellow female peers in the industry, but by so many and so exciting to watch you. I'm going to listen to this album many, many times until I see you Thanks, again. Thanks, Maggie. And thank you. Best of luck on this tour and this new chapter. I'm so excited for you. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Erin. You can keep up with her on our socials at Erin Ray Music. And of course, make sure to give her new album, Lighten Up, a listen. And to keep up with me, my music, and my touring calendar, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at I am Maggie Rose. Check out my touring schedule on www.maggierosemusic.com. And make sure to join my With the Band family, where you can get exclusive Salute the Songbird content, live stream concerts, and more. Salute the Songbird is brought to you by Osiris Media, hosted by Maggie Rose. Produced by Austin Marshall, Maggie Rose, and Kirsten Cluthy, with production assistance from Grace Romer and Kippy Young. Edited by Matt Dwyer. Music by Maggie Rose. Show logo by Premier Music Group. Graphics by Catherine Boyles and Mark Dowd. Please subscribe to Salute the Songbird on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. And if you like the show, recommend it to a friend or leave us a review so that others can join the conversation. Thanks for listening. And to close out the show, here's Modern Woman from Aaron's new album, Lighten Up.
Osiris. <laughs> <laughs>